Sure, we've all had fun messing around with AI image generators and conversation bots, but AI is more than a novelty, and it's possible that your business could benefit from AI integration. SAP Business AI can help your business innovate, whether it's supply chain, finance, human resources, sales and marketing, even a generative AI co-pilot. SAP Business AI can offer the solutions you've only dreamt of. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Learn more at sap.com slash AI. Customer engagement used to be all nice restaurants and tea times. But with Zoom Info, you can engage with the right customers across all channels from one platform. Engage customers at zoominfo.com. Zoom Info, how business goes to market. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to MMA Fighting's 2022 year-end award show, celebrating the best of the best of the year in the greatest sport on the planet, mixed martial arts. I am Mike Keck from MMAfighting.com, and it has been a true honor to cover these incredible athletes, the memorable finishes, the remarkable storylines, and roller coaster battles that the sport of MMA brought to us throughout the year. Now, 2022 had mostly clear-cut winners for each category that the MMA fighting staff voted on, but I have to say, personally, narrowing all of the options down for each of these categories to the top five, it was not easy at all, as I'm sure you will see and hear as the nominees for each award are revealed. This year, we'll be giving out our awards for the Fighter of the Year, Submission of the Year, Fight of the Year, Rookie of the Year, and our first award of MMA Fighting's 2022 award show, the Knockout of the Year. Now, once we give out the awards, we'll head over to the MMA Fighting Panelist Roundtable, who will provide an inside look into how we got to each winner. If it was unanimous, maybe there was some dissension in the ranks. All that will be discussed. It's going to be a lot of fun, this award show. So let's not waste any time. Our first award, the KO of the Year for 2022. And here are the nominees. Demetrius Johnson by right cross flying knee combination over Adriana Marias at one on Prime Video One. Michael Chandler by front kick to the face over Tony Ferguson at UFC 274. Molly McCann by spinning back elbow over Luana Carolina at UFC London. Leon Edwards by head kick over Kamaro Usman at UFC 278. Zhang Wei Li by spinning back fist over Ioana Janjacek at UFC 275. Ladies and gentlemen, the 2022 knockout of the year goes to Leon Edwards with his stunning head kick KO with less than a minute to go in the fifth round over Kamaru Usman to become the welterweight champion of the world at UFC 278. It was a moment Leon Rocky Edwards, and let's be honest, anyone who saw it happen in August will never forget. So let's check in with the MMA Fighting Roundtable crew to discuss how this all came to be Take it away, Shaheen Al-Shadi and crew. Thanks, Mike. All right, let's kick off the panel. 
for this year-end awards special for 2022. The whole crew is here. You already know Jose Youngs, Jed Mashu, Alexander Kaylee. We also have EKC Laid Men in the boards. I am Sean Alshadi, and let us start with Knockout of the Year. Let's talk about it, fellas. Always a fun category. Always a lot of good options, really. I mean, this year is no exception, but in the end, it seemed like we really coalesced around two picks. Leon Edwards over Kamaru Usman, Michael Chandler over Tony Ferguson. But Leon really took it. Seven first place votes going to that one. Michael Chandler stealing away three and then rounding out the group. Zhang Wei Li, Yuan Yan Jacek, Molly McCann, Luana Carolina, and Demetrius Johnson, Adriana Marais stealing away one first place vote as well. Jed, let's start with you, my man. You voted for Leon Edwards. Why was that your knockout of the year? Because it's very clearly the the best knockout of the year. Uh, look, we've got a bunch of categories to get into. And honestly, like I don't have any real issues with most like what most people picked as far as things go. You know, it, it's all a bit subjective, but my kind of guiding light, the general principle I operate on for these things is in five years when I look back or whatever on this year, what are the moments that are going to stand out? Like what are the things that I'm going to remember the most? And undeniably Leon Edwards putting shin upside Usman's dome, especially when, when you factor in everything else about it too, because other people will come and, and I, I appreciate their arguments, but for me, knockout of the year is really a, um, a culmination of a lot of different pieces, right? Because you can get really cool, sick KOs, you know, a spinning tornado kick or whatever on the regional scene. But it's got to be super high stakes. It it has to be a moment. There has to be a lot behind it. And the Leon thing, we're going to be talking about that forever. Not just because Leon Edwards did it, which I super didn't think he could do, by the way, but because of of that edit that came out afterwards of you're letting him bully your son. And, and like, I still feel that, like I just said that and thought it and it like, it made me feel something in my chest. And that's what that KO is. Like there is, there are a lot of sick, awesome KOs this year, but there are none of them that if I just think about it, like give me goosebumps and make me feel some kind of way. And that one is going to forever, for as long as I am involved in covering this sport, that is going to be one that I can look back and be like, damn, that was a moment. And so it's it was the runaway. If we did like a weighted point system, I could have put nothing else on my board. It would have been that by a mile. No, Jed, I mean, I you you couldn't have said it better in my opinion, the, the culmination of everything, right? It's the factors. Though That to me is what this category is often about with knockout of the year. The, the factors of stakes, what, what was the moment like? What was sort of the situation around the knockout? Circumstances, how late in the fight? Is it a comeback? That type of thing. And also just explosion, right? The actual moment. How much did it make you jump out of your seat and say, holy S, I can't believe that just happened. Like that to me, those three, uh, there is no knockout in this whole entire crazy year that we just experienced that cul- that culminated with a, a perfect match of those three, in my eyes, better than Leon uh, and what he did against Kamar Usman. I mean, that's legendary stuff, man. That's absolutely legendary. That being said, I am actually surprised that me and you are the only two here on this whole discussion that voted for this as our, our number one picks. Jose, you I'm and AK. Surprised. We're men of Jose. class and substance, Sean. So obviously, mm. uh, Jose, you and AK went a different direction with this. You guys voted for mm. what ended up being number two, which is Michael Chandler defeats Tony Ferguson. Why was that the one that, in your eyes, sort of eclipsed what Leon did? 
Well, for me, uh, the one, the five knockout of the years that I voted for, I think the difference between me and a lot of people that are voting on not just our panel, but on all the panels of all the sites and all the, the networks that are doing these, I was at, I was physically at the five that I voted for. Um, and I just, I voted for the ones that were just the most shocking to witness live like everything you everything you guys described like the storyline the culmination what we witnessed between the rounds you know it was for a title all of that is fantastic and i won't don't won't argue against that those storylines matter in in the voting for me what i witnessed tony ferguson essentially get a sledgehammer upside the jaw from a man much smaller than him that I can probably count on one hand the number of front kicks Michael Chandler has ever thrown in a professional fight. Not only did he land it, he just disconnected Tony Ferguson from his sense as a man that for a lot of, a long time people thought was the best lightweight in the world. I thought Tony Ferguson was dead or was going to be in a coma. So the way the reason I voted for number 1 is just the shock awe and violence factor not like the storyline aside michael chandler needing to get back in the wind column tony ferguson needing to get back in the wind column two of the greatest lightweights of all time finally fighting the three-round fight in downtown phoenix arizona all of that aside just the the image of tony ferguson just unconscious and michael chandler doing a bat flip just like three feet away from essentially a corpse will forever be etched in my mind. So that is why I voted for Michael Chandler's uh, front kick knockout over Tony Ferguson as the knockout of the year. AK, is that sort of what your line of thinking was as well when you voted for this? Yeah, it, it's 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 the feeling that it created inside of me. Not to say that Edwards over Usman didn't create a, a feeling. Uh, kind of like Jose, though, circumstances affected my vote a little bit. I saw the Edwards KO like... 10 hours after it happened i was i was not working that night uh i was in another country a different time zone so i, I could replay the moment i could see all the reactions i could read about it and, and, and i mean even watching it and replay knowing what happened obviously it still landed it was an incredible moment but it was a little bit lessened by the fact that i didn't catch it live which i did with the uh the tony ferguson chandler ko e even i, I, I want to say that even if i had seen both and been there to capture the moments uh, live i might have still leaned towards the chandler knockout like Jose said, it's the, the imagery was just frightening. We had never seen Tony straight up knocked out like that. Um, he had lost to Justin Gaethje by TKO, but we had never seen him just brained. And you could, you know, based on his recent results, you could say, ah, man, like you felt like it was going to happen to him eventually. But we had still never seen it. He, he, he'd, he'd faced so many heavy hitters, so many tough guys in his career, been in so many wars. To see him felled by a single strike and one that was so expertly landed uh, that's going to last with me like just as long as seeing Leon hit that crazy late game walk off um, uh, and leaving Kamaru Usman flat out in the canvas. It, it might linger as well. Another thing that gives the front kick just a little bit of an edge for me is I think this is the best front kick knockout I've ever seen. And we've had a lot of those. We had a few of those in the UFC and each one seems to like surpass the last one. Even Anderson Silva, the Vitor Belfort one didn't last that long as like the best front kick knockout because shortly after Leona Machida, Randy Couture happened, which I think is a superior uh, one to the Andrew Silva Vitor one. So it's, it feels like they keep getting topped. This to me, again, is the new number one. And, I, and I'm going to just throw it out there and say it with confidence. I think it's going to be a long time before this one gets replaced. So I'm kind of, so I'm maybe I'm giving it extra points for, for something that hasn't happened yet. Like saying like that it will last like another 10 years with us saying this is the best front kick ever, or may never, maybe it never gets replaced. 
as the best front kick ever. And if that's the case, and if I'm right, then I feel very comfortable uh, keeping it number one. It was just so vicious and uh, really, really arguably more memorable than uh, our number one winner for the wrong ways uh, with the the way it left uh, Tony Ferguson down. Also, you have to mention the photo, right? Nobody. I'm surprised oh neither of you have mentioned that photo. I don't want to think about it. I never want to see that mention photo it. ever again. <laughs> it's a much more – I do factor in largely like the just general aesthetics. It is mm. the the most aesthetically pleasing KO of the year. Like it, it has I the agree. best image, certainly. But if if y'all – I, I, I just like, want to go queue up yeah. the, the Twitter edit of he's, he's bullying your son and Anik and Rogan and Cormier burying Leon and then it happening, boom, headshot. And if y'all don't feel like emotional about that, you're dead inside. Like that is the moment of the year. Also, before 100%. I don't I don't know how long we're gonna stay on this, but I do want to shout it out. Uh MMA, tough, tough game. Cause last year, KO of KO of the year winner, Kamaru Usman, for his sensational knockout of Ori Masvidal, turned around and got put on a poster in the other way. So it's a tough game, man. Very, Not very only small that. margins. Not only was he our knockout of the year winner, he was our fighter of the year too. And then there you go. In a span of a year, it flips just like that. I agree right there, Jed. Ultimately, like the Leon is just so iconic, especially with the way Anik was coming in right at the perfect moment, saying he Anik's call is so good. The cloth from which he is cut, and then that plays out. His it's call just a is so good on that. Like if. if- if there's a video out there of someone shooting from the rafters for the highlight, like they're they're way up in the nosebleeds and they're shooting down, you can actually see my exact re- moment and reaction to that knockout because <laughs> you can see press row and me and Oscar Willis both just go like we just jump like backward a mile just upon it came out of Kamaru nowhere out. and it, yeah. it really was one of those things where i mean i was watching that fight at home i was off that week because i had just had my son and i was so sort of just watching on the couch and i was actually kind of tuned out and i think i wasn't the only one right i think a lot of people had sort of written this off i know several friends of mine had sort of writing their stories already written their leads uh and then some people had just sort of turned off the tv this was a foregone conclusion then all of a sudden it wasn't. It's what makes this sport so great. Really quickly before we move on, though, Casey, I want to bring you in here because you actually went off the board entirely. You didn't pick either of these two for your number one. You went with the legend, Demetrius Johnson, which I, I loved that. I love that. I was one of the ones who put DJ on my ballot in my top five as well. But you went all the way to number one. Just quickly, what was your thought there? Well, basically, I, I agree with everything you guys said about Edwards Usman. Um, I mean, I, I had number two. It was clearly just an unbelievable moment in the sport. Uh, the knockout was incredibly violent. Uh, the call was great and everything. But I went with DJ Marias mainly because of the loss that came before it, the story. Like, this was a, this was a y'all must have forgot type of knockout. And it's freaking DJ. And it was just like, just like uh, technically. Uh, Aesthetically, uh, it was just perfect. Yeah, just like it was just a beautiful knockout. And then. That's what it was. Was I think uh, DJ uploaded a slow mo video of it at some point, and it got like you know two million views on Twitter or whatever. And when I saw it in slow motion, that's when I realized how freaking incredibly awesome it is. And um, yeah, and it just reminded me, I think the rest of the world, who Mighty Mouse is. And I think we've known Mighty Mouse has you know maybe have one of the greatest championship submissions ever uh, with his fifth round submission over Ray Borg. And now he had, to me, he has one of the greatest championship knockouts ever. 
and 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 this coming off a violent violent loss that, that that came from a knee, and then he does the same thing. He returns the favor with another flying knee um, to to um, defeat Marais. Chef's kiss, but no issues with um, Edwards Uzman being number one though. Yeah, just aesthetically, the way that he bounces off the cage and then eats that final shot is just so. Oh my god, like you said, chef's kiss. Uh, so get some one championship representation here on our top five. But in the meantime, that is knockout of the year. Leon Edwards, congratulations. Back to you, Mike. Now we kick things off with the knockout of the year. Let's move to the submission of the year for 2022. Again, a lot of really strong options this year. But who will take home the coveted trophy? Here are the nominees for the MMA Fighting 2022 submission of the year. Yuri Prahashka by Rear Naked Choke over Glover Teixeira at UFC 275. Stevie Ray by Modified Twister over Anthony Pettis at PFL 5. Islam Makhachev by Arm Triangle Choke over Charles Oliveira at UFC 280. Oliver Enkamp by Buggy Choke over Mark Leminger at Bellator 281. Luca Pokleet by Lucanator Choke over Dante Shiro at Bellator 285. Jessica Andrade by Standing Arm Triangle over Amanda Lemos at UFC Vegas 52. And the 2022 submission of the year winner is... Yuri Prohashka for his late rear naked choke of Glover Teixeira to become the light heavyweight champion of the world at UFC 275. Now, this is a fun award to break down individually for all of us in terms of narrowing this down to the top of the top. But Shaheen Alshadi and crew, I got a question. Did we get this one right? Let's head back to the round table. Take it away, guys. Submission of the year, fellas. Yuri Prohaska, Glover Teixeira. I am sure we are going to be talking about this fight a little bit later on, too. But right now, submission of the year winner, and, and really three out of the five of us here on this panel picked this as our number one. Overall for the team, six people picked this as their number one uh, submission. Jessica Andrade versus Amanda Lemos gets three picks. Islam Makachev over Charles Oliveira gets two. And then Stevie Ray, Stevie Ray and Oliver Enkamp. Uh, and also Luca Pulse seat. I'm, I'm pulse lit. I'm sure I am not pronouncing that right. Getting some love at the at the back end of that top five. This is always one of the tougher categories most years, it seems. And this year was really no different. It always pre presents the diverse range of answers that we don't see in, I think, a lot of other categories. First place votes were all over the place this time again, same as last year. Jose, let's throw it to you first. How did you approach this one when you were writing up your ballot? Well, I think it's a lot to of what you guys said in when you guys were talking about Leon Edwards' knockout over Kamara Usman being our knockout of the year. To me, Yuri Prohaska's submission over Glover Teixeira is just checks all those boxes too. A, we're going to talk about it. Just an, one of the greatest fights, if not the greatest fights of all time. Glover Teixeira, how everyone says, like even Daniel Cormier said, it just has suffocating top game. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. Yuri Prohaska, not even remotely in the realm of being any sort of finisher when it comes to grappling or submissions, just very much a killer be killed on his feet type of guy. 
had that year layoff after the Dominic Reyes knockout, which was on a lot of our shortlist for knockout of the year, the year prior and fight of the year said all he did was train grappling and wrestling bottom game, top game, everything in preparation for fighting Glover to share just an absolute fantastic fight back and forth war, which I know we're going to talk about. And if you just look at not just the submission, but everything else that kind of led into that, like when Glover share got full mount leading into it and Europe Prohaska sticks his forearm, kind of into the wedge of the canvas, which doesn't allow Glover to roll him. And then Yuri Prohaska uses that to then get back to his feet. It's just all of these small, minute details that Yuri Prohaska basically didn't just go try to go from A to Z immediately. He, he did step by step. And then when he got up and he snatched up Glover's neck and just squeezed the soul out of him and forced Glover's chair to tap... It had the storyline, it had the blood, it had the violence, it had the knockout artist submitting the black belt, new champion in Singapore. I was also about five feet away from the submission, if that matters. So it just checks all the boxes of just being one of the greatest, not not spectacular submissions. Like I know I picked the Chandler knockout because of just the image of Tony Ferguson just essentially just getting decapitated in front of us as the reason why I picked that. This was just an epic submission at the end of an epic fight and i don't quite understand most people not picking it but i'll let you guys explain yours but to me this was a no-brainer yeah it's so funny how this stuff works in mma right you go into this fight it, it was the the natural line of thought i think for most of us is if glover's gonna win he's gonna win by submission if yuri's gonna win it's gonna be a knockout and then we end up getting whatever the chaos we saw was with this a Okay, was this a tough decision for you? Uh, not really. Uh, again, I love the fight so much. I know we're, we're going to have another opportunity to talk about that. Uh, and the ending is such a huge part of it as what makes the fight so memorable, so unbelievable. Uh, as Jose was talking, I was trying to see how many submission wins Yuri Prochka had before hitting that submission of the great Glover Teixeira. Uh, the answer is two. He had two submission wins. And according to topology... His opponent, the two guys he submitted, this is early in his career, were zero and zero and zero and zero. So not exactly like an illustrious list of submission conquests that our year Prohashka had before getting that big win at UFC 275. Uh, this is not a submission that people will be uh, you know, replaying and showing a video up to, to, for tutorials uh, in classes uh, online. Uh, uh, this is not their naked choke application. It was just a man reaching down and saying, I have to find a way to win this fight. And, and I'm just going to grab a neck and, and squeeze and choke with all the power I have. And God, please let the other man tap. And uh, sure enough, after this war of attrition, I mean, if that choke had happened in round one, there's no way it finishes Glover. Round five, after everything we had seen, after everything that they had put each other through, that they had put themselves through, that's how you get, again, this incredibly unlikely submission. The best submission of the year. One of the best submissions, somehow, despite it, if you just look at it in isolation, it's really a nothing of a submission. But somehow, it is one of the best submissions I think any of us have ever seen. Um, so yeah, for me, it was an easy choice. But yeah, lists like this are tough. Every year, it's the most diverse uh, range of choices. It's the longest uh, list of honorable mentions because you know quality competition. Um, uh, what you know, what promotion did it happen in? Uh, had we seen the move before? In this case, a move, a finish we've seen, a finishing submission we've seen 
10,000 times in MMA uh, and somehow just very, very special given everything that led up to it. So uh, somehow the obvious choice for number one and also somehow a strange, strange, strange choice for number one. It's funny you say the obvious choice uh, because I think I, I agree with you on that. Jose, it seemed to agree with you on that. But Jed, you actually didn't even have Geary on your ballot entirely. You went Jessica Andrade versus Amanda Lemos for your number one. But Yuri didn't even make your top five. Where? What was your thought process, I guess, behind all this? So let me start by saying I have no issues with this being the submission of the year. Uh, and I get it. I totally understand all the arguments put forth. And maybe I'm just wrong on this one. Submission of the year for me is always the one where I can have the most fun because um, it's so subjective. And I mostly just kind of like to favor really cool stuff and things – if if you do something that's never been done before, you're going to get a lot of love from me. And you know what's never been done? No woman has ever hit a standing arm triangle choke in the UFC. And frankly, probably has never done that in like Bellator or a major mixed martial arts organization. And Jessica Andrade just went and did the damn thing. And not against some can. Like Amanda Limos can fight. We have seen that she is good at this. And Jessica Andrade just literally throttled her to death. So it took my number one spot uh, because I think it's the it, it's the most unique of the submissions this year that I'm going to remember. And to be frank, all of the stuff kind of that AK was saying, I docked a lot of points for me from Yuri. The biggest the biggest takeaway from the Yuri Glover one, and again, if that's yours, cool, no issues. That. I do not remember that fight as, man, that was a really sick submission. That fight is, oh, that's like maybe the best fight of all time. <laughs> that might be the best fight I've ever, fist fight I've ever seen. And there is a submission that is ancillary to the entire thing functionally. Uh, whereas the the Limotion Drudge fight, like, it, it's entirely that. And maybe this is against the spirit of it. I don't know, but it it didn't feel right to give like it, if Yuri had finished him with like a go-go plot at the end of it, greatest submission that's ever been had ever in the history of the world. And I'll die. I'll stand it forever, but finishing it with just sort of a tired RNC doesn't feel like that merits the same, especially when like not to get ahead of ourselves, I picked that fight for fight of the year because it was the best fight of the year. So it felt a little bit like I'm just double double rewarding this fight. And if you're going to double reward a fight, that's a hell of a fight that that deserves it. But uh, I started to spread the love about for something that is where the submission is more forward to the experience as opposed to just part of the overall thing. It's it's an interesting debate. It's an interesting argument. But I would say, to me, the submission makes the experience of this fight because the fight itself was already incredible, right? The fight itself See, was already an all-time classic. But if that I fight just ends in a decision and Glover wins because Glover was ahead on the scorecards, That's I, don't still think awesome. we're, I don't think we're revering it in the same way. You don't think so? I think also, that that whole fight, I was just like, this is bananas. And it was also no, like, however that fight fair, ended. But the, the submission... Was, this, that's 100% fair, but to me, the submission was the cherry on top of that delicious Sunday. It's just like, this is, is it, amazing. This is genuinely but, amazing that I'm watching. Because also, to to get Glover Teixeira, a man who we know is extraordinarily good at this, at grappling, to get him to that spot where he is willing to quit, where he is willing to relinquish his title to, like you said, a very tired RNC, that's an incredible place to get to. So that's that's, I guess, where I was coming from. 
I get what you're saying, and I don't. Is this going to sound like I'm negging it? And I really don't want it to be that way. I I feel like there's a little bit too much given to the he submitted Glover narrative. Yes, he did. Glover's a great grappler, but like that could have just as easily been like a series of left hands. It was not, as we all have established, this technical masterpiece. It was both men left their souls in the cage and Glover happened to be on the bottom at the at, at the final stanza of it. Like so that that's why the submission detracts a little bit. If Yuri had just punched him a bunch and gotten a stoppage that way, I feel like that was in play. I don't feel like that was a finish because Yuri's just like super good at RNCs or whatever. It it was everything that went into it. And frankly, this is probably a weakness of mine because I think I super detract for club and subs because as I'm looking back on it now, uh, I do not have our third place finisher, uh, Islam Akhtar versus Charles Oliveira on my list. That's probably just straight wrong. And I think a lot of it is because that's a club and sub, but like he hit him on the feet and then finished him. But kind of as I'm, as I'm parsing through it right now, I'm like, that's going to be one of the submissions I remember the most of this year. He submitted Charles Oliveira, which not anyone can do. Like, that's a really good one. I think it's just, if your submission comes after other parts of violence, I'm probably not going to view it as much as submission as I am the totality of the circumstances. You know what? I'm actually I'm actually glad that you just brought that up because let's end with that and then we'll move on to the next category. But Casey, bringing you in here, I was surprised that you and I were the only two that had Islam over Charles on our ballots, uh, at least on this panel, right? That ends up as our number three. So obviously others on the website didn't, but uh, uh, others on the website did, I should say. But uh, on this panel, it was just you and I. You put that as your number one, though. So if you could tell me why, uh, I would love to hear it. Um, why? Well, <laughs> I didn't have um, Yuri and Glover in my top five at all, first of all, um, because I think what a lot of what AK pretty much said, it was a fight. That wasn't a submission. That was, I mean, there, there was no Gracie breakdown on that submission. There was nothing technically correct about that. And when my criteria for submission of the year, like, it's got to be technically awesome. And Machev's, and I disagree a little bit with Jed too, because I, I really think originally I did think it was a club and sub, but then I rewatched it, and it was just kind of a shot that dropped him. He wasn't out, but that was very classic Charles Oliveira. You know, he gets hit, I'm gonna recover on the ground. But Islam just went F it, and he dove right down there and did just a beautifully, technically perfect uh, arm triangle. And um, and that's why I reward that. I just I don't I don't need spectacular like go go's buggy chokes or anything to go smish in the air. I just want to see technically perfect submissions over high level competition that aren't, you know, basically at 1% energy level, which, which Glover was at to me. Um, and that's why, and, and, and obviously the stakes of the fight too. I mean, uh, if Charles Oliveira wins that fight, you know, he's, we're, we're talking, oh, maybe he is better than Habib, but he lost that fight clearly. And now we're living in the Islam Mahachev era right now. So, uh, so storyline wise, the opponent, uh, just te te technically perfect submission. That's why it is my number one. Yeah. I mean, stealing the title away from the all time submission leader with a crazy submission like that. It's hard to fault. It's hard to fault that at all. Uh, but in the end, it is Yuri Prohashka over Glover Teixeira that takes submission of the year for 2022. Back to you, Mike. 
Sure, we've all had fun messing around with AI image generators and conversation bots, but AI is more than a novelty, and it's possible that your business could benefit from AI integration. SAP Business AI can help your business innovate, whether it's supply chain, finance, human resources, sales and marketing, even a generative AI co-pilot. SAP Business AI can offer the solutions you've only dreamt of. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Learn more at sap.com slash AI. Businesses have always needed customers. So customer engagement has always been a thing. You know, steak dinners, golf, in-person handshakes. Not exactly efficient, though. But thanks to ZoomInfo, times have changed. Now you can engage with the right customers across all channels and grow your business efficiently and effectively, all from one platform. Sorry, steak dinner guy. We've got work to do. Unlock insights, engage customers, win faster at zoominfo.com. Zoominfo, how business goes to market. Man, what a fight it was between two hard-nosed veterans as we go from the matchup that will be in highlight videos for years to come to the newcomers who set the bar very high for their careers moving forward. It's time to give away the award for the 2022 Rookie of the Year. Now, this award goes to a fighter who signed with a major organization, made their promotional debut in 2022, and with that made just a giant statement in their first 12 or less months with said major promotion. A lot of great options to choose from this year, but here are the finalists, the nominees for the 2022 MMA Fighting Rookie of the Year. Jack Della Maddalena. Mohamed Makayev. Jailton Almeida. Raul Rosas Jr. Caio Baraglio. And the 2022 Rookie of the Year is... Jailton Almeida with his three wins and three finishes in the UFC Octagon in 2022. Now, before we head on over to Shaheen Alshadi and the fantastic MMA Fighting Awards Roundtable crew, let's hear from the man himself, the 2022 Rookie of the Year, Jailton Almeida. Fala, galera da MMA Fight. Muito obrigado pelo prêmio de revelação do ano 2002. Né? 2003 promete. Graças a Deus consegui ter vitória no UFC de vias rápidas. E obrigado pelo prêmio. E em janeiro vamos buscar mais uma vitória e começar 2003 melhor do que 2022. E Bahia murro na cabeça e amasso no chão. Os. All right, this is always a fun one. Rookie of the year, fellas. Uh, another category that was incredibly diverse on our ballots, uh, but really it felt like there was a consensus top three, and it was just whoever you liked among those three. Jailton Almeida taking six votes out of 11 for the website, taking our number one spot. And then as you can see here up on this table, Jack Della Maddalena getting two votes, first place votes. He's number two. Muhammad Mahayev with one first place vote. He is number three. And then Raul Rosas Jr., the 18-year-old, and Cal Baralo, uh rounding out the group there. AK, how did you approach this one and how did you end up with what who ended up being our number one, Jail to Almeida? 
We had a lot of good options this year. You know, I uh, full disclosure, I should tell people I, I've kind of been in a culture war behind the scenes between wanting this to be like the breakthrough fighter of the year award. I just feel like it gives more options as opposed to just saying, you know, who made a debut for a major promotion in, in a certain in a calendar year. But it worked out really well this year. I think there's at least seven or eight solid names you could have had in your top five and even hovering around the top three without issue. So I had to go with my gut. I had to go with a guy who like, I have just been probably on the bandwagon since his first fight. Uh, I had to go with Jelton Almeida. I mean, this guy, he just looks like a champion. He has everything that we look for in a future champion. Uh, that grappling ability, he's got a great physique. There's a, he's, he's mature enough. He's 31, so he's experienced. Like He's in his prime. He's not old. He's got almost 20 fights under his belt. So uh, you know, calling him a rookie almost seems disingenuous. But again, for the purposes of this award and as far as seeing him step up against you know UFC-level competition, he, he, he's a, a very, very worthy Rookie of the Year candidate. People can question the competition, but you can't question the results. Um, just, just finishing people left and right. He, he beat the pleasure man. Anton Turkali, which is just fantastic. I mean, uh, listen, uh, people say what they want about Turkali, but when you submit the pleasure man uh, in dominant fashion, you're going to be a front runner for rookie of the year. So th- th- I'm, I'm probably projecting ahead here. I'm probably giving him extra points because I think he will be a UFC champion, uh, whether it's at heavyweight, as he seems to be planning to do right now, or if it's at light heavyweight, which I think makes sense for him in the future. Uh Everything is just aces from it. A super exciting, uh, again, not even really a prospect. Again, 31 years old. But a super exciting newcomer uh, and a legitimate contender. And he'd be ranked higher if he could have uh, got probably stepped into the cage one more time. If he stepped into the cage one more time, really, we might be talking about him top five fighter of the year. So uh, just making a number one rookie of the year is uh, is almost underselling how talented this guy is. Yeah, I saw it the same as you, Jed. You did as well. Are you all aboard the Jilton Almeida train here? Yeah, this one honestly was razor close. So our previous two categories, I, I felt pretty good about where I was at on my my vote. Uh, this and our runner-up, I I battled really hard. Uh, I value activity in this award, um, which is – it can be problematic because if you make your debut at the end of the year like Raul Rosas Jr., you are functionally not going to hit my ballot. Fought one time, that's – that I, I'm just not going to go with that because, like, I don't know. Maybe you suck. You just had one good fight, and then you're going to suck, and it, it's going to go. But if you've had three fights in the year, like Jailton Almeida did, like Jack Della Maddalena did, I can feel really confident that you're going to be a going concern in this organization. I ultimately favor Jailton in part because his division sucks, if that makes any sense. So he's he's more fun. But like if you just if you just head to head Jack Della Maddalena and Jelton Almeida, JDM has faster finishes in a better division over better competition, and like has a really realist like very real argument to take this. I'm favoring Jelton because as good as I think JDM looked this year, some of this is projection, and it's like at some point he's just fighting in a freaking Shark Tank, and so he's gonna have to. He he might not pay this off down the line. He may just be a Brandon Thatch, you know, a guy who is fun and hangs around or whatever, but isn't isn't the top. Jailton Almeida, for all intents and purposes, looks like he is the truth at heavy or light heavy, whichever way he wants to go. And that kind of ended up being the tiebreaker for me because he has been nothing short of perfect in the cage in 2022. 
Well, I mean, Jay, can, I, can I just throw, can I throw in one yeah. correction first? Uh, Absolutely. Raul Rosas Jr. did not fight one time in 2022. He actually fought six times in 2022. One time in the UFC. So I did cheat. For, I did cheat the, a little bit. For the purposes of rookie of the sure. year, do those other five count? Uh, well, I cheated and yes, I counted them. Yeah. I'm not supposed to according <laughs> to our criteria. Hashtag, I'm definitely not going to count the Tijuana fight nights or wherever the hell <laughs> oh, he's fighting. Wow. Like, that's, ultimate, that's, ultimate, sir, ultimate warrior challenge. Excuse me. Oh, it's, uh, it's UWC. I'm for sure not factoring that into my. Account. Anyway, I get, he finished all those guys and ultimate warrior challenge. So I give him points six and oh, one and oh in the UFC uh, and plus contender series. But yes, yeah, six, six and Jack, oh in 2022. So I may have cheated. Jack Teller Madalena knocked out Danny Robertson in like two minutes. So yes, that's true. Uh, yeah. my one and two were as close to interchangeable as possible. And God knows I love the guy I voted third, but his resume no, is just no. not as good as those two. Yeah. I mean, as you said, there were a top, there seemed to be a top two for most of us, but there is a third man out here who also went three and O uh, and Jose, he, you got, he got your number one vote. Muhammad Mahayev, a guy who I've called a future champion. Jed's called a future champion. AK, AK hates young people and, and only loves old people. Mike Heck is called a future two-division champion. Mike Heck has called him a future two-division champion. So why was Muhammad your pick? Because I'm not an absolute idiot and picked Jailton Almeida. That's why, because you guys all would have. Wow. He could be wow. this. He should be that. He could He's be your that. number two. Muhammad Mahayev. He's your number two, Yeah. <laughs> Muhammad Mahayev was, if we're talking about this being rookie of the year, being this big athletic achievement of these three, and apparently the top two are no brainers of these three, which one went from unranked to ranked this year? One of them did. One of them actually finds themselves in the UFC's top 15, and that is Mohamed Mahayev. He's also drumming up a lot of interest because I obviously run our social media accounts a lot and our social media, Mohamed Mahayev. If you tweet about Jack Della Maddalena, Jail Tanameda, and Muhammad Mahayev, what do you think is getting the biggest reaction? It's Muhammad Mahayev. Which of these three UFC fighters needed his own security team because he's tr- all these people have feuds with him in the fighter hotel? Muhammad Mahayev checks all the boxes. That and yes, like level of competition, whatever. Like JL Talmade is doing what he should be doing to this level of competition. Jack Della Madalena is improving every single fight. I was very impressed with Muhammad Mahayev because I've said this for a long time. Fighters that face adversity and then can pull out the win, that's kind of the last boss in these in the skill set tree. Like, are you good at striking? Are you good at grappling, wrestling, cardio, whatever? How do you face adversity is always the thing that kind of puts you over the edge into these future champions like contender category and Muhammad Mahayev actually, you know, facing some sort of adversity in his last fight against Malcolm Gordon was very impressive to me. And then he comes back and goes, I want to fight Brandon Royvel, Alex Perez and Amir Albazi like next month. He seemed down for. So Muhammad Mahayev checks all the boxes that you guys uh, said that Jack Della Madalena and Jailton Almeida, he's just ahead in all of them in my mind, because in one year from now, of these three, which one do you think could probably be fighting for a championship? It's Muhammad Mahayev. Whether he talks himself into it or not is another thing. But I think I truly think Muhammad Mahayev of these three has the best chance of being a champion. Also, Jail Tanamani having like that catchweight fight or whatever. And he was he wasn't necessarily a heavyweight. It was like a short notice fight. Now he's just kind of staying a heavyweight. That kind of bumped him down for me uh, a bit in my mind. But he's number two. That's fine. Jack Dale Madalena is number three. But to me. 
it was an absolute no brainer. It was Mahabhan Mahayev being number one. I mean, I will, it, I will point out uh, one or two things here very quickly in terms of the UFC rankings. I would say there are maybe 15 flyweights in the entire UFC. So there's probably a reason Mahabhan sure. Mahayev is ranked. Also, Jack, uh, Jelton Almeida is ranked in the only rankings that do matter. I will say that as well. Mm. The MMA fighting rankings. Uh, also, what, what are those rankings, Sean? The MMA fighting global rankings. Got it. Yes, yes. Uh, also, if you love guys that uh, face, that have to deal with facing adversity against lesser competition that they should probably blow out of the water, I got a guy for you. His name's Patty Pimblett, and he, he's right here waiting for you. Future championship mm-hmm. material according to you and these criteria. But uh, I'm just kidding around. Facts. You guys, when you hear what you, Jose is saying about Patty Pimblett was my rookie of the year last year. I just want to say that. When you hear I what Jose is saying about rookie of the year Muhammad, too. Do, you, do you regret any decisions you made? No. All right. That's all. <laughs> Let's keep it moving. Uh, last thing before we get out of here. I do want to throw it to you, Casey, because you, once again, went yes. off the board uh, compared to the rest of us. You went to the man who really has only won one major fight uh, this year, Raul Rosas Jr. He was 1-0 in the UFC, but he was your number one. Why was that? First of all, I didn't want to, I'm not going to punish him for basically the calendar. Um, that's all, really. Um, he came in, well, he's like 12 years old or something in the UFC. I don't know. I know he's not 12, but 18 years old. He just walked through a grown man, a professional UFC fighter. Not the best band, not the best bantamweight, but still a bantamweight in the UFC. And to me, I think bantamweight is the toughest division in the sport right now. And he came in with lots of pressure on a pay-per-view and the, the, ESPN, pre, the he, ESPN headliner or whatever in, going to the pay-per-view. And he blew me away, honestly. Is he going to be as good as Madalena or Almeida? I don't know. But the fact that that dude's 18 and lived up to the hype of an 18-year-old and just came in and just completely dominated his opponent, um, he, to me, he's what the true essence of what a rookie is. Uh, yeah, and like, the problem is Almeida, he's, like, he's 30-something. I mean, I get it. He's technically a rookie but by our standards, but... I went for Ro- Ro- Rosas Jr. because, um, to me, he represents what a rookie is, and um, he he showed up, and I was I was thoroughly impressed. The yeah. the esteemed New York Rick also voted uh, Rosas Jr. number one, Casey. So you're in good company. Yeah, Rosas Jr. was really the most polarizing pick amongst this whole crop here for Rookie of the Year this year. It seemed like half our team didn't have him on their balance at all, but he did get two first place votes, and then the other half of the team did have him on their balance. So ultimately, it goes to Jailton Almeida. Congratulations to Jailton. We all uh, are very much looking forward to what all of these gentlemen and women uh, on this ballot uh, will do in the future. But let's throw it back to you, Mike. We got the two big ones coming up. Yes, it's time to award the 2022 Fight of the Year, an award that makes a long-standing cliche very true, doesn't it? It takes two to tango. And in a year with incredible fights filled with technique, pure heart and will, or all of the above in some cases, there can only be one fight that stands above the rest. So here are your nominees for the 2022 Fight of the Year. Matush Gamrot versus Arman Sarukian, the main event of UFC Vegas 57, Las Vegas, Nevada. Yuri Prohashka versus Glover Teixeira, the main event of UFC 275, Singapore. 
Hamzat Shemaev versus Gilbert Burns at UFC 273, Volkanovski versus Korean Zombie, Jacksonville, Florida. Stephen Thompson versus Kevin Holland, main event of UFC Orlando. Davison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno 3, UFC 270, Nganu versus Gan, Anaheim, California. And the 2022 fight of the year is the main event of UFC 275, Yuri Prohashka versus Glover Teixeira for the UFC Light Heavyweight Championship of the World. I'm actually jealous I can't join this roundtable to recap one of the craziest fights I have ever seen, but I'm always happy to hear from Shaheen Alshadi and the incomparable MMA Fighting Awards roundtable crew. Take it away, gentlemen. All right, and here we are, down to the final two awards, the two big ones. Fight of the year, first up. And really, fellas, this to me was by far the easiest, uh, or at least one of the two easiest and most straightforward categories of this whole slate this year for me. And it seemed like I wasn't alone. Uh, it actually ends up being the only category where all five of his of us here in this discussion vote for the same pick. Uh, Yuri Paraska, Glover Teixeira gets nine votes, as you can see right now. Hamzat Shamaya versus Gilbert Burns steals off the final two first place votes and then rounding out uh, the group. Davison Figueredo, Brandon Moreno, three. Mateus Gamrot, Amrat Sarukian, Stephen Thompson, Kevin Holland, getting in late there. Uh, Jose, why was mm. Yuri Prohaska, Glover Teixeira, one of the greatest fights I've ever seen in my entire life? Why was this your number one? Well, I'll phrase it like this. Glover Teixeira versus Yuri Prohaska in Singapore was the greatest fight that I have ever witnessed in person in any promotion, in any weight class, whether it be a main event, whether it be a title fight or not. That is... I've been, I was cage side for uh, Yoani and Jacek Zhengwei Li, and it's better than that. I've, it's, it's just, it had everything. It had Glover Teixeira just throwing mallets at Yuri Prohaska's head, Glo Yuri Prohaska responding with standing elbows and flying knees. I mean, Glover Teixeira had full mount like a minute before he got submitted. Like, if you look at the, like, here's how it started, here's how it ended, you could do that in like a 30 second span. And if, you show me a clip of round five of your, of Glover Teixeira on full mount on Yuri Prohaska, you'd be like, oh, yeah, this guy obviously won. And I go, what if I told you 15 seconds from now that Glover Teixeira is getting submitted? You probably wouldn't believe me. This fight was bananas. Like, it had everything you want to fight. It had striking, had grappling, it had wrestling, it had a thrilling finish. The belt was on the line. There was a title change. It's a guy that we all talked to Yuri Prohaska being this absolute monster of a human being come over from Ryzen. And how would he fare against high-level competition in the UFC? Starch is Vulcan Ozdemir. You're like, okay, Vulcan Ozdemir, he might be on the last legs of his career. Just absolutely melts and decapitates Dominic Reyes in the follow-up. Didn't age well considering what we've seen happen to Dominic Reyes in his last few fights. How would he do against Glover Teixeira, who Glover Teixeira, one of the best stories of the previous year, one of the best top games, and just one of the heaviest hitters in the UFC light heavyweight division? How would he fare against someone who all of Glover's strengths seem to be Yuri Prohaska's weaknesses? And Yuri Prohaska just aced it with flying colors and submitted Glover Teixeira. This fight was 
we're going to be talking about this fight for years as one of the greatest ever. And I pray to God if this fight, if they ever rematch, they will rematch. I'm willing this into existence. I need this to happen again. It can't be three rounds. It has to be five rounds. I don't care if neither of them have the belt at the time. They have to rematch at some point because this truly was one of the greatest fights I have ever witnessed. And I'm going to be remembering this fight and telling my grandkids, like I was Cade side for year Prohaska versus Glover Sherry. It was phenomenal. And I do not understand how two of our colleagues can pick a different <laughs> fight. It just, it makes no sense to me. Everything that Hamza Shemayev Gilbert Burns had, year Prohaska versus Glover Sherry just doubled it. Like title fight, five rounds, main event, the time difference is is insanity because both of them had to adjust. It was, it was absolutely beautiful and it was so violent and I loved everything about it. Yeah, you know a fight is really good when it ends and you 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 look around and you're sort of feeling some type of way and all of a sudden you realize like I'm just sweating. Like I've I'm just been sweaty for for no reason. There's no reason I should be sweating right now, but I am. The, exactly what you said, Jose. The yo-yo nature of this fight, like it was almost basically like a five episode Netflix series with every round featuring something completely different than the previous round. I know this isn't MMA necessarily, but in other sports, uh, on big comebacks or something like that, you know the charts that that the sports websites always push out of like the expected win probability where something will be up here and then all of a sudden something crazy happens and they, the expected win probability for that people will jump down all the way down there. I would just love to see an expected win probability chart for this fight because I think it would just read like a heartbeat monitor with just up and down, up and down, up and down. Uh, AK, Jed, Casey, whoever wants to get in here, wax poetic with me. Why, why was this so good? Oh, AK is giving it to me. Then okay. Uh I think this might be the best fight of all time. I really, and and Sean, that's going to sound like heresy uh, as a fellow stand on the corner of Carlos Condit versus Robbie Lawler is the best fist fight that's ever happened. This is a real conversation. Like it, it is so, for exactly what you said, the win probability chart swings. I was live blogging it and I didn't even know what to do anymore. It was like, it's, it was anarchy for 25 minutes. Your live log is a hilarious read in retrospect, by the way. It's, just the excitement it's, jumps off the page. It's impossible because, like, I don't every it's happening here and there. I'm like, I don't know what to do with this because there's not a nobody is seizing the momentum. They are just passing it back and forth like like a volleyball. And of all the things that Jose said, and I agree with almost all of it, the the thing that he said the most like, that I am the most preach on i have no idea how this isn't your fight of the year because all due respect to gilbert burn hamza chmayev didn't even make my top five maybe i'm wrong whatever this fight is objectively that fight turned to 11 with 10 more minutes like it is all anything that looked cool or fun in that fight happened 17 fold in this with the light heavyweight title of the world on the line. It is so complete. And if if you're coming for like the most high-level technical thing, that's maybe the only thing that's missing from this. But if what you want out of a fight is to see two men bear their souls and find out who wants it more, like I think that trope is used way too much in combat sports of who wants it more. Not in this case, straight up. Like... That that was not a test of skills. That was a test of will. 
and Yiri outwilled Glover, which I didn't think could happen. And to watch it play out like that, it 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 was one of the very rare times in this sport that it felt like a privilege to be watching in real time. It's the best fight of the year. It's not close. Like there, I do, I refuse to accept other arguments for anything else in this <laughs> because it it's better than uh, what was our fight of the year last year? Does anyone have that? Uh, it was just, that was Justin Gaethje, yeah, Michael Chandler. Yeah, incorrectly. That fight is yeah. That probably wasn't a good decision. Uh, that fight <laughs> is is good. That fight it doesn't hold a candle to this one. Like there is, there are at most like four fights in the history of this sport that I would put in the conversation with this one, like at, at most four. And that's probably being overly generous. It's the best fight of the year bar none. And one of the very, very best fights I've ever seen. AK Jed just calls it. I mean, he has repeatedly called it. I should say the greatest yeah. fight that he's ever seen possibly. Yeah. I'm not ready to go that far for me. Robbie Lawler, Roy McDonald will always take that candle just because it, it transcends just the all action sort of trope of a, of an all time fight to me is just what everything around that was just incredible on a different level. But I will say, I mean, light heavyweight is a division that historically has ridiculous fights, right? You have yeah. uh, Dan Henderson, Shogun, that whole true, that whole slew of anytime fights Shogun fought. <laughs> Yeah, Anytime as well as John, as well as I think the, the standard for a lot of people, John Jones, Alexander Gustafson. This to me eclipsed all of them by far. Would you agree? I mean, this is the greatest, at the very least, the greatest UFC championship fight. But regardless of division, it's at least the greatest five round fight, the greatest championship fight. Not even just UFC, maybe the greatest championship fight we've seen. Uh, five round championship fight we've seen in MMA history. My my rule in life, guys, you know, is MMA is supposed to be fun. I say it all the time. I say it when we're doing award shows, podcasts, whatever, it's like my reminder I want for fans and for us and for the universe. And the very concept of May is so ridiculous and so cool. And at the end of the day, it's supposed to be fun. Once you cut through all the business and once you cut through all the politics, um, it's supposed to be fun at the end of the day. And I I don't know if I've ever had more fun watching a fight. I, I don't, it wasn't the most technical fight. It wasn't like, again, it, it maybe wasn't the greatest mixing in the martial arts we've ever seen. But my goodness, it was fun. I... I I the two most fun fights I had watching this year were Yuri Prohaska and Glover Teixeira, and EKC Leiden and Fritz Frondorf. All right, those are the two. <laughs> I'm One not of even, those I'm, was I'm not close. Even joking. The other was not close. Yeah, exactly. At all. One of the fights was close. One of them was a complete was complete domination, and both set our Slack channel ablaze. By the way, I think if like if people look back, because actually I want to bring up, uh, I was looking at our Slack conversation for the the Yuri fight. And it starts off okay. We're kind of just like analyzing the fight, kind of like, oh, who won the first couple of rounds? And then it just breaks down into madness. I start screaming, Yuri, stop throwing kicks slash knees. To which Shaheen responds with just a big no emoji. Shaheen is having the time of his life. New York York Rick just starts laughing and just says, Yuri's fight IQ is amazing. Jed anoints it the fight of the year. This is probably in, in round three. Casey goes, Yuri is the dumbest fighter ever. I love it. Scrolling down more. We had nine minutes after I sent that, and it only got better. Scrolling down more. At one point, my best friend, Mike Heck, just types out in all caps, why, with four question marks. Uh, I believe it was a poor, guillotine. Poor Mike. Gilly. Mike, nope, I, the gilly 
I, I'm live blogging the Gilly, and I'm like, oh my god, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen <laughs> in a mixed I, martial arts fight. I write for some reason. I hope Glover tests positive for something after this, because otherwise, I have no idea how any of this is possible. <laughs> uh, uh, Jed, you then say it's a top five fight of all time. I'm like, no effing way. All caps, one word, no spaces. Shaheen says that's the best, and uh, I mean, really, we're just we're just babbling after that at some point. So. Uh, Dude, that I I love this fight so much. It's definitely one of my favorite fights of all time. I think the most fun fight I've ever seen. Uh, and and I don't want to. I'm not going to be so harsh. The two voters uh, on our uh, in our panel who uh, did not give it number one. I will. Clear, go ahead, guys. <laughs> clear, clear clear cut number one on my ballot. Damon Guillermo Cruz, y'all are some suckers. Look, there you go. He all the way on board with Jose. Here's what I'll say. You could sell me on a on a separate fight, the fight I picked as my number two. It would be wrong. But if you wanted to tell me that Saruki and Gamrot was the fight of the year because it was so highly technical and, and Yuri Glover wasn't, I can at least buy that argument. You cannot sell me that the off-brand version of Yuri Glover, because that's what Shemaev Gilbert was. It was it was 10 less minutes and not as good of action, but the same core concepts involved. There is no logical way to make that argument unless you really, really just don't want to give it to Yuri Glover for whatever reason. Well, yeah, I, the rest I wanna, of us do. Oh, please, Casey. Please, Casey. Because usually, I you kind of guys you bring me in as a contrarian. I'm like, no, that fight sucked. This no. Because you're 47 I, I, years old. <laughs> I just want to repeat everything what you guys said. It, well, actually, actually about the Gamrat Zerukian fight. Gamrat Zerukian was the best mixed martial arts match of the year. This yes. was the best fight. It was a freaking fight, and I. Loved it, and back to what AK said, I don't think I've had more fun in years watching a fight than this fight. It had freaking everything, back and forth, just stupidity. What, what did I write in the Slack channel? Yuri's the stupidest Yuri, fighter. So Yuri's the dumbest fighter alive or something, and then I love it right after. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I need, I've, I've only watched the fight twice. I need to watch it again. I need to invite oh. all my friends who have never seen the sport. Come over, watch that fight. That's that's what makes this fight special. I mm-hmm. feel like you can show this to someone who has never seen yeah. anime before, There's someone who's a, been watching like us, someone who's a lapsed a lapsed fan. You can show it to any fan, and they will love this fight. That's there what was I transcends. There was a gentleman a couple of years ago before the pandemic happens that DM'd me. I don't have no recollection, or I had no idea who this individual was. He goes, "I'm about to smoke a bunch of weed." Give me five fights that I should watch. <laughs> and I gave them like five just really fun fights. This is now at the top of the list of fights that I would have given this gentleman. I think that I think AK makes a really good point, which I had never considered. This probably is <laughs> the fight I would give if someone was like, Hey, I don't know yeah. anything about MMA. If if you're like, I want to get my friend into MMA. Like for as much as I goddamn love and respect Lawler Condit, as I still think maybe yeah, the best fighter of all time, there, you have to know a little bit more. You can turn this on at any point in time. It doesn't matter yeah. if it, if you just are stumbling across it on TV and it's like, oh, it's two minutes into round three. Chaos is going yeah. to be ensuing, and it's just going to get reckless. Like immediately afterward, there is there has never been a fight that that anarchic. <laughs> And yeah, as I mean, it, for, it, it's, it's the best one for that purpose, it, certainly. 
it's the Don Fry Takayama of our era, frankly, right? Of this era, yeah. where you could just throw it on at any point to anybody and they are instantly going to be locked onto the TV and there's just no weight room. And like, I, I say that saying that Robbie Lawler, Rory McDonald is my favorite fight of all time. That is very much a slow burn. Like if you throw that on to someone who doesn't know MMA, they're not going to really enjoy that that much, yeah. especially the first few rounds. This completely different story. So Except in case you couldn't tell. And, and Fry Takayama was like five minutes long. This, yeah. this, this is 24. It's, it's just incredible. Incredible. Congratulations to both men. In case you couldn't tell, we are massive fans of this fight here at MMA Fighting. But we have one category left, and it is the biggest of all. So back to you, Mike. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Now it's time for our final award of this year's award show, the 2022 Fighter of the Year. Now, again, a lot of fighters have earned consideration for this award, but in most people's eyes, this was a two-horse race on who will be the one to become the next Fighter of the Year, much like Kamar Usman won the award in 2021. But did you feel the same? Did you feel like this is a two-horse race? Let's find out as we present the nominees for MMA Fighting's 2022 Fighter of the Year. Alexander Volkanovsky. Islam Makachev. Zhang Weili. Alex Pereira. Leon Edwards. And the 2022 Fighter of the Year is... The UFC middleweight champion, Alex Pereira, capped off by his championship victory over Israel Adesanya at UFC 281. Now, this is a tough one because Alexander Volkanovsky, in my opinion, had two of the best title defenses in UFC history. But in the end, Pereira entering the year unranked beating three very game opponents and then winning the title in the end sealed the deal for a lot of us. And this could end up being the most divisive award in the end, in all honesty. Maybe it won't. But for the final time, we'll check in with the roundtable panel. But before that, to accept the Fighter of the Year award, the UFC middleweight champion of the world, Alex Pereira. Fala, pessoal. Olha só, passando aqui para compartilhar com todos vocês que eu fui eleito lutador do ano pela MMA Fighting. E vocês viram o trabalho duríssimo que eu fiz. Foram três lutas, nessas três lutas, dois nocautes em uma delas, onde eu consagrei campeão do UFC. Estou muito feliz, pessoal. Muito obrigado a todos. Obrigado, MMA Fight pelo título. 
Tamo junto e até a próxima. And there it is. Alex Pereira, your 2022 Fighter of the Year for MMA Fighting, and it was almost unanimous. 10 out of 11 votes for first place votes going to Alex Pereira, who was 3-0 on the year. He starts the year unranked, not even really in the conversation. He starts the year, and his biggest win is over a Greek fellow who I certainly can't pronounce his name right Greek. now, at least in MMA. And all of a sudden, he ends the year. He is the UFC middleweight champion. Uh, Jed, let's start with you. Alex Pereira, he was 2022 in many ways. Why was he your fighter of the year? Because of exactly that. Like I said at the top, uh, the thing I value the most is when I look back on the year, what are the moments that are going to stand out? Leon Tedkick is going to stand out for me. Uh, Pereira, we didn't talk about it. it. He didn't get a lot of love in the KO of the year award, uh, even though the the Adesanya one is a very substantive and meaningful KO, and the Strickland one is just hilarious. One of the funniest things that's happened all year. Uh, going 3-0, and going from re- MMA anonymity, basically, to fulfilling the purpose that he was brought here for. He was brought here. No, no bones about it. He was brought here to challenge Izzy. They were going to give him the simplest path to it, and they did, and he checked all those boxes, and then he did the damn thing. And I don't, I don't know how he isn't. We're going to talk to one rogue panelist who will tell us how he isn't. But when I look back at this year, the thing that I will remember the most is that Alex Pereira told everybody, hey, MMA sucks and kickboxing is much better, apparently, because he can just own this sport now. It's what he did in the span of like 13 months. If you factor in his first UFC fight was in like November of 2021, just an unbelievable run from him. Uh, He would have for sure been rookie of the year last year, I think, if like we did this in February or whatever instead. So unbelievable year. He's the new guy. He's our new middleweight champion. How is he not your guy? Jed, this man, this yeah, man was part-timing it until 2021. He was part-timing it. He was still fighting in glory title fights as of 2021. He, did, yeah. he had a, a, a cup of coffee with MMA 2015, 2016. So I was like, okay, that was fun. Back to kickboxing where I'm a, where I'm, I'm, I'm a god and where I'm making money. And then uh, L, makes an appearance for LFA. This one-shot appearance. Just takes this guy out. <laughs> does not fight again in MMA for another year. But within that year, uh, from 2020 to 2021, the buzz was building because everyone picked up on the, oh, this is the guy who beat uh, Israel Adesanya in, in kickboxing twice. Highly real knockout. You know, this is this is after they made the LFA appearance. Uh, uh, Gui had, had written a bunch of stories about him. Um, and, and there was that swell. And we talked about him almost on the... The like the the periphery of some of our other he's a sideshow. He's kind of like a sideshow side in, in the division a little bit. Yeah, and we're all saying, cool, UFC signed him. We know why they did. Outside chance he gets the Israel Edisonia fight. Probably doesn't happen. We're kind of looking at some of the names ahead of him, and it's like, ah, he's got to get past like a Derek Brunson or like a Marvin Vittori. Like these are tough guys. What are the chances he can get past him? But huge props to the UFC matchmaking team. This is how you build a fun title fight and, an, and a compelling contender is you you clear the path for them. You give them the names that they can be. Listen, they did this with Conor McGregor. How did Conor McGregor happen? They didn't book him against Chad Mendez right away. He he worked his way, excuse me. He worked his way up to Chad Mendez. Uh, and then he and that's a fight that if he had fought Chad Mendez in like his second UFC fight, Chad Mendez probably beats him. It's probably just not, it's it's probably the momentum just isn't there yet. But you build up a guy the right way, you put him in a position to succeed. 
and a guy who, again, in his eighth professional fight, uh, a guy who had who had fought three times in MMA before 2020, is now a UFC champion and even more illustrious, the MMA fighting 2022 Fighter of the Year. It sounds weird saying it. I just said it. I said it really slowly to try and like make it easier for myself. This is bizarre. This is bizarre because last year our Fighter of the Year was Kamaru, right? Kamaru Usman. It's Kamaru Usman. That is correct. And now <laughs> look at this. Kamaru Usman, Alex Pereira. It seems it feels weird. It doesn't, so it doesn't look I'll, right. I'll go. I'll go one step further even on that, AK, because I wrote Fighter of the Year, our, our feature on this for this year. And in doing so, I was looking back at some numbers, some past features. In many ways, this is historically unprecedented, what we just watched Alex Pereira do. Because not only did he come in here, different sport entirely, having to learn a different skill set entirely with, a, with virtually no experience. He came in here at 34 years old with so much mileage on his odometer already. And again, with just not the skill set that you would expect from somebody like this, I went through all of our past winners of Fight of the Year for MMA fighting. No, not one of them, not one, you could make a case to even have a close comparison to what Alex did because all of them were already main players by the time their year started. By the time their particular year started, they were either a UFC champion like Kamara Usman or Daniel Cormier was. They were either an interim champion like Max Holloway was the year he won it. They were either a top contender already like Israel Adesanya. Max is still one of the worst of all time. I'll never forgive our Max. That was I'm just saying, an awful one. They were in the picture. Divas and Figueredo, Israel Adesanya. You can go on and on down the list of our fight of the year winners. They were main players already by the time the year started. Alex Pereira was out here fighting Bruno Silva for his first fight this year, for God's sakes. Like, this is the man who has the least amount of experience to ever hold a UFC strap, at least in MMA, since Brock Lesnar. It's just unreal. And yet, if I, I really I felt in my bones when we were doing this vote. This was going to be the only unanimous vote because uh, all the other categories felt like, I mean, I'll say fight of the year, I felt like it was going to be an unanimous too, but some people made some decisions. This one felt like a shoe-in though. I mean, it was Alex Pereira's year, 3-0, and doing what he did, but there's always one. And this time, our one was Mr. Jose Youngs who pulls out Alexander Volkanovsky for his number one choice this year. Make the case. Now, when I chose Alex Volkanovsky, I wasn't a knock on Alex Pereira. And I also thought that I, I didn't know I would be the only one. I just was more impressed with Alex Volkanovsky's 2022 than Alex Pereira. If I, when, when Alex, when Alex Pereira won, I was like, yeah, cool. That makes sense. He had a very historic year. No one's ever accomplished what he did. But if we're just talking, talking about like professional prize fighter, like champion of the year. I just went with Alex Volkanovsky because I was more impressed with dismantling the Korean zombie uh, and then beating uh, Max Holloway in a way that we have never really seen happen at featherweight. Yes, Volkanovsky beat Max twice before, but the first fight was a back and forth contest that was very, very fun to watch. The second fight wasn't as exciting, but a lot of people th think Alex Volkanovsky won but he's 2-0 and against Max Holloway. What does he have to gain in fighting someone that you're 2-0 and against? And not only did he do it, he just dismantled Max Holloway. That was not a close fight whatsoever. And this was a Max Holloway that a lot of us uh, consider. I don't, and I'm, I'm not saying the people on this panel do. A lot of people think 
that Max Holloway is the best featherweight ever. I still am on the Jose Aldo train. Max Holloway is still on the Jose Aldo train, for, as a matter of fact. But a lot of people put the him Jose Aldo train is the right train. I have to, I have to throw the Jose Correct. Aldo train is the right chain. But I'm, I'm not going to argue if, if someone wants to argue that, oh, Max Holloway beat Jose Aldo twice and has all these other impressive wins, like his resume is just better in the UFC. Fine. I don't care. Um, but a lot of people thought Max Holloway was essentially the uncrowned champion of this division. And Max Holloway went out there and just, you know, beat the brakes off of Calvin Cater in one in that when he was no look slipping and punching and then followed up with a, a, a fight of the year candidate against Yaya Rodriguez and in a fight that I don't think he needed to take, but he took it anyway. And I was on record saying when we did our preview show for that fight, because it was International Fight Week, I said Alex Volkanovsky versus Max Holloway 3 on paper was the greatest co-main event in the history of the UFC. And just just competitively, not in terms of hype or anything like that, because obviously Ronda Rousey's been in, in a lot of co-main events. Uh, but I said Volkanovsky Holloway was going to be very close. Both There's no arguments like Alex Volkanovsky had said, like, oh, I got all these weird sleeping pills uh, and USADA woke me up. Uh, and I, I just wasn't on my game. There was no empty bubble of Abu Dhabi flying across the world. This was there was no Max Holloway, maybe not taking Alex Volkanovsky seriously in the point fighting thing that Volkanovsky had. Both of these men had had enough tape on the other one to know what they were going to do. And Alex Volkanovsky just showed why he's the number one pound for pound fighter on MMA Fighting's global ranking, the only rankings that matter in the sport of mixed martial arts. I was just more impressed with Alex Volkanovsky than Alex Pereira. Alex Pereira had the more historic year by far. But in terms of just a fighter, I was more impressed with Volkanovsky's wins. Now, but I'm not going to argue that Pereira is the number one fighter of the year. It's just he wasn't on my list. How does that hit you guys? It's reasonable. I I don't agree, but that's probably because some part of me has turned into our website's preeminent Alexander Volkanovsky hater. Not really sure how it happened, but definitely, <laughs> definitely a mantle I have. Uh, part the other part of it is, I if you're strictly looking at how you looked in cage, it's very tough to argue that anybody looked better in the cage than Volkanovski did. He gets docked a couple of points for me specifically because God love Korean Zombie, he old, and that that was not shocking to me to watch him dismantle an old man uh and i am not one of the people who thought max beat him uh the second time around and i was fairly confident he would beat him again because i think he will beat him every time they fight he beat him more thoroughly and and so he ended up not even being my number two this year uh i slotted him i believe i slotted him at three um he confirmed that uh sure did behind jang wiley or wiley jang because if you're talking about two performances where Buddy, you are are dismantling people. Wiley Zhang just ran over Yuan He and Jacek and Carlos Barza. So for me, those were better, but I got no huge issues. Because certainly when we look back on this year, I think Pereira is the number one story, but Volkanovsky is one of the five fights of, of five fighters of this year. But we should talk to our other panel machine, because I, I have so much respect for him. I wish that I had the temerity to not include Volkanovski on my list at all. I wish I could have done it. This man had the, had the AK power Lee. to do it. Mr. A.K. Lee right here, who had perhaps the I, most unusual <laughs> fighter of the year ballot of all yes, of us, uh, went off the board with several of his um, picks. Please, state your case. 
I was going to say, Jed, you may not be the number one Alexander Volkanovsky hater because he didn't even make my ballot. That's not because I hate Alexander Volkanovsky. If anything, I love him too much, maybe. Okay, let me finish. Let me finish. Uh, I have been on the Alexander Volkanovsky is the far and away best featherweight like for a while. So so for him to uh, dispose of a Korean zombie who we now... If we didn't know it before, we now know definitely has like one foot out the door. It was a short notice opponent. I'm not like knocking Volkanovski for that being his first hell defense of the year. It's, you know, he was supposed to fight someone else and um, and uh, Zombie stepped in. It's great. We were all happy to see Zombie get um, another title shot. And going in, I did not think Zombie would fare so poorly. But now in retrospect, I think we see how good Volk is, how much Zombie's diminished and just how huge that gap was. So that's not like a like great title defense. Not not a huge feather in Volkanovski's cap for me. Um just because it's a title defense, like it doesn't make it, it doesn't put it like take it to this other level for me. And the Holloway fight, like the third Holloway fight, I did want to see them fight a third time, uh, precisely to get the result we did, which was to show that like Volkanovski is just better than him. Um, their second fight was awesome, very close fight. I hated people calling it a robbery. I hated people not understanding how to, how that fight was scored. Um, so for me, it's like I, it just didn't add that much to me to see him beat Holloway a third time. It. Shutting him out is amazing. Max Holloway, one of the greatest fighters of all time. Um, but like it was it was just another like he had two great tell defenses. I'm I'm not denying that. Um and is now I think our pound for pound uh, number one on our pound for pound list. So great achievement. Uh took that spot. Um I would not have predicted that going into 2022. Um I just wasn't as blown away by the sort of the the Alexander Volkanovsky arc this year as I was by some of the people uh that made my list. I just want to chime in real quick and say Volkanovski almost didn't make my top five. I think he came in at number five on my list. And mm-hmm. I think the problem that he ran into is almost what AK said. He, I love him too much. And I think this is what – you go to last year, 2021, um, uh, Valentina Shevchenko, Shevchenko did not make our top five list, even though she had two completely dominant – finishes at a championship level last in 2021 and didn't make our top five. And I feel like this is the kind of this problem of Volkanovski is that he's just so good. It was almost expected. And I feel I kind of punished him for that. And um, maybe that's bad criteria on my part. I'm not sure. But uh, does that make sense? I think I, I, I just have such Probably. high expectations yeah. for him. Yeah, and listen, if he if he beats Makachev, immediately Rockets number one on my list and it will take a lot uh, number uh, to knock him off the 2023 no chart i mean i'll be super high on that that's that's kind of the next thing i need to see for him so maybe i'm being harsh but again i went i went with storyline so just for full disclosure my other uh my other picks that did make my list sergey pavlovich uh drew dober yeah. brendan Lochnane, all guys who i just had a lot of fun watching in 2022 uh, great storylines i may have merged i may have been a little uh, cheeky here and kind of merged the non-existent breakthrough fighter of the year award with uh with our fighter of the year list so again i admit much like with the I had done with our rookie of the year list and and uh, junior. I may have bent the rules a little bit, but um, I went with storylines. I went with um, what will I remember the most from 2022? And Volkanovski's title defenses will, will be up there, um, but the leaps that some of these fighters made were just so impressive to me uh, that I had to I had to throw them on. You're, you're going to remember Drew Dober's 2022. You won't. Hey, come on, Drew Dober. You won't. 2022. He had maybe the three, like three of the most like exciting finishes of the year. Drew, I mean, Drew that's, Dober's <laughs> making my All Star team for the year for sure. sure. But like, I'll remember it for sure. 
more than I'll remember the Volkanovsky zombie fight. I mean, the zombie, if, it was if, a great tell defense, but if Volkanovsky fights either of those two dudes in November or earlier this month instead of back in the summer, Dober feels recent. Like that feels sure. that feels like a recency bias. He's one. he's li- he literally snuck in there at the end. He literally yeah. snuck in there with the Bobby Green. Super, yeah. super proud of you for the Brendan one because. Now, now officially, the PFL has the, some representation. Say, by the way, by the way, Brendan is essentially representing all these great PFL stories we had this year. Luisa Pacheco obviously could have been the pick as well. I thought OEM was a great story. Rob Wilkinson just becoming a reliable fight of the night, like banger, and then winning a million dollars. So you could have picked a lot of names from PFL. Uh, I settled on Brendan, of course, because there's that long arc from his contender series appearance and everything. But um, yeah, just had to give some love to the PFL because this was a, a great year for that promotion. Absolutely, AK. And really, what a great year in general, right, for MMA, for for all of us. It was such spectacular performances all across the board. But in the end, the year does belong to Alex Pereira. He is our 2022 Fighter of the Year 3-0, and it is well-deserved. Congratulations to Alex. Back to you, Mike. Congratulations to Alex Pereira and to all of our winners and nominees. The in-cage product in the sport was wild and crazy from start to finish in 2022, and I have a feeling 2023 will be no different, I'm sure. And for those wondering, the upcoming Bellator versus Rising card on New Year's Eve, that card, those fights, they will be in the mix for the 2023 award. So don't worry, we're not forgetting about that event by any means, but that will do it for 2022 and our awards for MMAfighting.com. It has been quite a year for us as well over at the website. So much content has come your way. So much event coverage has come your way. Some newer shows and concepts. And I certainly would plan on much more great stuff to be on tap for all of you with MMA Fighting throughout 2023. And we thank all of you for checking out our 2022 award show. I am Mike Heck, and for all of us at MMA Fighting, we thank you for checking out our coverage podcasts, interviews, shows, and everything else in between. And we wish you a fantastic rest of the holiday season and a happy new year. Good night, everybody. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Sure, we've all had fun messing around with AI image generators and conversation bots, but AI is more than a novelty, and it's possible that your business could benefit from AI integration. SAP Business AI can help your business innovate, whether it's supply chain, finance, human resources, sales and marketing, even a generative AI co-pilot. SAP Business AI can offer the solutions you've only dreamt of. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Learn more at sap.com AI. Before Zoom Info, business wins took a lot of time, energy, and patience. But today, ZoomInfo aligns your sales and marketing teams, identifies ideal customers faster, and automates your go-to-market strategy. So you can scale up and get on the fast track to marketplace domination. And that's how winners win. Unlock insights, engage customers, win faster at ZoomInfo.com. ZoomInfo, how business goes to market.